Now is the time we bring you the virtual stage of our 11th Achieving Optimal Health Conference at Georgetown University. To experience this talk with all the videos, slides, and graphics, head over to the BBNR website where you can enjoy the entire day of archives of nine incredible speakers for just $29. Go to bbrconsulting.us and click on store. One more time, visit our store at bbrconsulting.us. Thanks for staying curious and for living your best life with us. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Hi. I'm Jerry Edwards. I'm a professor at the University of South Florida in psychiatry and behavioral neurosciences. And I'm here to talk about how to maintain your cognitive abilities with age. So today I'm going to talk about what happens to our cognitive abilities with age, how we can maintain our cognitive abilities. I'm going to talk about brain fitness, how to choose a brain fitness program, and I'm going to cover some research results of the most well-studied brain fitness program. So first, let's talk about what cognition is. So cognition includes verbal abilities, such as our vocabulary, our ability to think of the right words quickly. Mental quickness is how quickly we can both take in information as well as to react to information. So how quickly we can notice things around us as well as responding to things around us appropriately and quickly. Of course, most people are familiar with memory. There are many different aspects of memory. Primary cognitive ability we think of when we think about cognition and aging, but maybe even more important is attention. So we need to be able to pay attention to things going on around us to focus our attention. We also need to be able to ignore distraction. Multitasking, that's the ability to pay attention to more than one thing at a time or perform more than one task. And also very important to our ability to function are the cognitive abilities of planning and problem solving. So this is what I'm going to refer to when I refer to cognition. So what happens to our cognitive abilities with age? Well, some things improve. In fact, our vocabulary our verbal skills for the most part, and our knowledge continue to improve throughout the lifespan, such that older adults are typically better at things like crossword puzzles than younger adults, and especially better at games of trivia because of their accumulated knowledge across their life course. So I would always bet on an older adult to win at Jeopardy, for example. On the other hand, some things do decline. What tends to decline the most, and for most people, is our cognitive quickness, or we often refer to that as speed of processing or processing speed. In fact, your cognitive quickness starts to slow down at the age of 25. So if you're an older adult, if you're 65 or older, you've already experienced more than 40 years of cognitive slowing. We also tend to have problems with age with switching our attention, and we refer to this as executive function. 
So that's the ability to disengage from something you're focusing on and switch to pay attention to something else. As we age, we tend to have difficulty ignoring distraction. This is also considered an executive function. So for example, if you're driving in the car, you might have problems ignoring your grandchildren in the back seat if they're being loud. With age, we tend to have problems multitasking, and that's considered a dual task in uh, the field of cognitive aging. We're also dividing our attention, divided attention. And then finally, there's lots of aspects of memory, but the aspect of memory that tends to decline with age is our working memory. Working memory is not just simply remembering a grocery list, for example, but it's being able to juggle information and take in new information at the same time. So a classic example is long division. When you're doing long division, you have to hold numbers in your head while you divide and uh, other numbers when you're doing math. Working memory also is being able to walk down the hall at my office and when someone wants to stop and have a conversation with me, remembering why I was walking down the hall and what I was going to do in the first place. So that commonly happens to us at home as well. If something happens while we're on our way to the bedroom, when we get to the bedroom, we might not remember why we got there. That is working memory, which tends to decline with age. So let's talk about the continuum of cognitive decline. So we can, and, and most of us will, uh, especially in mental quickness or speed of processing, experience what we call age-related cognitive decline. For these abilities I've talked about that tend to decline uh, with age, these declines are particularly marked by 75 years of age. Besides mental quickness, that can start to decline very early. Other abilities can start to decline at, say, 65 years of age and more so at 75 years of age. And that is what we expect, somewhat normal with cognitive aging. However, if you are experiencing greater declines than we would expect from your age, we consider this to be a condition called mild cognitive impairment. And if you decline to the point that you cannot carry out your daily tasks and you cannot be independent in doing the kinds of activities that you need to do, then you can be diagnosed with dementia. Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia, and most of us are familiar with Alzheimer's disease. There are other forms of dementia as well. The second most common, for example, is vascular dementia. These can manifest very similarly as far as symptoms in our everyday life. What's very interesting about this kind of transitional stage between normal cognitive aging and dementia called myocognitive impairment is that you can revert back to what is considered normal if you've reached this stage of having some cognitive impairment. Many people who are diagnosed with myocognitive impairment, also called MCI, often get better. And so you can get better from MCI in that stage, or you can get worse and develop dementia. Obviously, our goal is to avoid developing dementia since that causes problems with our everyday function and independence. So intervening early before dementia is necessary to, in order to reverse cognitive decline. There are several common treatable causes of cognitive impairment. 
They can be depression. Treatment for depression, both pharmacological and non-pharmacological, is very effective. People who are depressed should seek treatment and be treated. A very common predictor of who progresses from that mild cognitive impairment stage to dementia, a very strong predictor is depressive symptoms. So it's very important to be screened regularly for depression and to have treatment for your depression. Anxiety is probably a great brain drain. Anxiety is connected to greater risk for dementia, such as Alzheimer's disease, and we need to be treated for our anxiety. Unfortunately, the pharmacological approach, the medications that are commonly used to treat anxiety, such as benzodiazepines like Xanax or Valium, for example, are actually very bad for your brain. They can increase your risk for dementia, so you want to avoid pharmacological treatment of anxiety if possible. Uh, Obviously, functioning in your life is important, but seeking other ways of managing anxiety, such as meditation or exercise, are preferable with regard to brain health. As we age, our ability to metabolize medication changes and our metabolism slows down, and that can cause us to be at risk to have adverse reactions to medications more so than when we were younger. And in older adults, an adverse medication reaction can actually cause you to appear as if you're having cognitive impairment. So anytime someone is having difficulty, we should always do a review of all of the medications they're taking to see if that could possibly be causing them difficulties. And finally, both uh, vitamin B and D are very important to your maintained cognitive function. Even here in sunny Florida, we can have problems with vitamin D if our bodies don't absorb it properly. So getting your vitamin B and D checked when you're an older adult is important. And this is something that you may need to request. Also, you need to make sure that you're regularly screened for any thyroid problems, which can also cause uh, cognitive impairment in older adults in particular. So how can we maintain our cognitive abilities? So any of the aforementioned conditions, definitely be screened for them, treat them if they occur, treat them in ways that are healthy for your brain. And as we all know, physical exercise is very important for our health. It's very important for your brain. Aerobic exercise in particular has been shown to improve attention switching, which is one of the key cognitive abilities that can decline with age. Also, meditation and relaxation techniques are healthy ways of managing anxiety and are overall healthy for your brain. Both yoga and Tai Chi have brain and body benefits, particularly for older adults. Our balance tends to decline with age, and Tai Chi is an excellent approach to improve our physical and cognitive function. Also recommended is mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness. Mindfulness is known to improve attention among older adults and is increasingly available. For example, a commonly used app called Headspace is now available on Netflix and is very much recommended for maintaining brain health and particularly if you suffer from anxiety. What else can we do to maintain our cognitive abilities? Well, of course, our diet is important. And with regard to brain health, what's particularly important is having your antioxidants. So eating the rainbow is important. 
blue greens and blueberries and green tea, for example, are high in antioxidant and are known to be associated with better speed of processing that mental quickness that tends to decline in all of us. Getting vitamin D through fortified milk or supplements. Eating healthy fats. So healthy fats have been linked to better brain function, including healthy fishes and olive oil, leafy greens, and of course, my favorite red wine, but in moderation. Also, it's very important with age to make sure that your vision and hearing are intact. Although we in the United States are typically good at taking care of our vision, there is unfortunately still lack of insurance coverage for hearing treatment and hearing aids, but they are very important for your brain health. We're increasingly realizing that hearing problems are associated with a higher risk of dementia. So it's very important to have your hearing checked. Men actually start to lose their hearing in their 30s. So men should particularly be having their hearing checked and in the hearing loss treated in their 40s. Women, on the other hand, begin to lose their hearing in their 50s. So women should definitely be getting their hearing checked in their 50s and seeking hearing aids if you need them. A question I get asked a lot is, what about cognitive stimulation? Some early correlational studies found that people who did things like play games or crossword puzzles, do Sudoku or other games may be over time less likely to experience cognitive impairment and dementia. However, subsequent research found that people who do these tasks are people who don't have cognitive impairment or dementia. So correlation does not imply causation. So there's a relationship there, but we do not know that it is causal. Of course, doing these kinds of activities, as far as research has shown, are not bad for you. They may help you maintain your cognitive abilities. And other things you can do that may help you maintain your cognitive abilities or prevent decline are remaining socially engaged and socially active, such as being able to travel and participating in leisure activities and civic activities. These are all important and things that you should do. However, none of these things have been shown to reverse cognitive decline. As I mentioned earlier, our mental quickness in particular starts to decline at age 25. And so doing these things can be fun, can be engaging, may help you maintain, but they won't help you reverse any decline you have experienced. What is recommended to reverse cognitive decline, particularly are computerized brain fitness programs. So when we think about a computerized brain fitness program, we need to think back about what cognitive abilities actually need to be trained with age. Definitely your mental quickness. As I said before, we start to slow down as early as age 25. And that cognitive speed of processing affects all of our other cognitive abilities. And we really need to work on things that force us to be quick. We need programs that will help us to switch our attention. That is an executive function. We need to seek out brain training programs that help us to ignore distractions that can be visual distractions or auditory distractions, distraction by sound. We need to seek out brain fitness programs that help us focus 
and also those that help us multitask, help us to pay attention to more than one thing at a time, for example. And then finally, brain fitness programs for older adults should target some working memory. That is juggling information, taking in multiple information, remembering bits of information while you perform a new task, not just list learning. These are the abilities that we need to work on with age in order to maintain our brain fitness. So how should you go about choosing a brain fitness program? There's been a real explosion of different brain fitness programs on the market. And the important thing to do is to pick an evidence-based program. So the first thing is, what does it say it's going to do? Think about these cognitive abilities that I've just reviewed that need to be targeted. For example, does it make you do things quickly? If so, that's good. We all need to work on our mental quickness. But also, brain fitness programs uh, shouldn't just be an entertaining game. Things that are fun and entertaining do not challenge our brain. So effective brain fitness programs should be challenging. They should be difficult. Not so difficult that you're completely frustrated, but hard. Because what drives positive brain changes is doing things that are challenging and difficult. Also, effective brain training programs should be adaptive to your ongoing level performance. As you get better, they should get harder so that they're constantly challenging you where you are as you improve. So another question you should ask when you're choosing a brain fitness program is, what is the evidence that supports this program? Specifically, there should be randomized clinical trials that included older adults as participants that have tested the program. So when you're looking at research evidence or a claim about a program being effective, you should ask who was studied, what were the results? Another important aspect is, do the results transfer or positively affect other real-world abilities. At this stage in the science, pretty much any cognitive training program will improve the cognitive abilities targeted. We get better with practice. However, what makes a brain training program valuable is if it really makes a difference in your everyday real-world functioning. So an important question to ask is, are there other benefits So if it were a working memory training program, has this training program been shown to affect other aspects positively of people's lives? So today I'm going to summarize some scientific results from the most well-studied program, which is now called Brain HQ. This is a program uh, marketed by Posit Science. I do not have any uh, financial interest in this program, but I have studied it as a scientist. With regard to research evidence, there are so many clinical trials now, but specifically, I'm going to talk about more than 18 different clinical trials that have focused on what we call processing speed training, which is an available exercise in the Brain HQ program. More than 18 different clinical trials, randomized trials among older adults have found that speed up processing training improves brain function, it improves attention, it enhances mental quickness, and it also transfers to real-world outcomes, enhancing older adults' efficiency at performing everyday tasks, improving driving outcomes, enhancing their well-being, and then, very importantly, 
this specific type of brain training, which we call speed of processing training, is the only intervention to date shown to reduce your risk of dementia in a randomized clinical trial, which is a very exciting finding that we published in 2017. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about these different studies that have examined this particular speed of processing training exercise. These studies, more than 18 different randomized clinical trials, have included older adults defined as those who are age 55 and older. Primarily, most of them are are people who do not have any noticeable cognitive decline, and that's the majority of those studies, 13-plus studies. One of them has included people who have mild cognitive impairment. And then there are a few of the studies that have examined cognitive functioning and the effectiveness of brain training in chronic disease, such as Parkinson's disease, breast cancer survivors, HIV, and stroke. So those are the populations that have been studied with regard to cognitive speed of processing training. And what have these studies found? Well, there are a few examples. These studies have found that older adults who do the training have faster reaction time, such that in a driving simulator, they stop 23 feet sooner than they did before the training. And this is relative to a control group that received driver safety training. We've also found that the speed of processing training improves older adults' on-road driving safety. Older adults randomized to the training had 40% reduced dangerous driving maneuvers on an on-road drive. A dangerous driving maneuver was one in which either the driver of another vehicle or front seat driving instructor in our participant's car had to change the trajectory of the vehicle to avoid a crash. This is a very meaningful outcome. Also in a longitudinal study, we found that older adults randomized to speed of processing training were 50% less likely to be involved in an at-fault crash as a driver over the next five years. Finally, we've also found that older adults who are randomized to speed of processing training have prolonged driving mobility. In fact, they're 40% less likely to quit driving than older adults who did not receive the training over the next three years. So these are very important and meaningful outcomes that older adults can benefit from this particular type of brain training, speed of processing training. We've also found in several different clinical trials now that the brain training, speed of processing training improves older adults' everyday functioning A term that we use in gerontology is instrumental activities of daily living. These are tasks that we need to do in order to maintain our independence. They include things such as managing your finances, doing your grocery shopping, using the telephone, managing your medications, and preparing meals. So several studies have used a laboratory simulated tasks of these everyday, using everyday real world simulating. And I've found that computerized brain training makes people faster and more accurate at these everyday tasks that are important for maintained independence. Also, in a longitudinal study called the ACTIVE study that included almost 3,000 older adults across several sites in the United States found 
the older adults who were randomized to speed training, which in this graph is the yellow line, actually improved in their function throughout the first couple of years. And then although they started to experience decline after, say, three years after completing the training, the amount of decline was less for those who were randomized to speed training than older adults who completed a memory training course or a reasoning training course. The memory training course involved learning lists, uh, mnemonic strategies to help you remember information. And the reasoning training involved recognizing patterns in order to solve problems. So while all the groups had less decline than the control, those who did the computerized speed of processing training had the least functional decline over 10 years. As I mentioned earlier, one of our most exciting findings with um, speed of processing training is that it reduces dementia risk. So uh, these are also data from the active trial, which included almost 3,000 adults aged 65 and older. And we found that those who were randomized to that training course or the reasoning training course did not have reduced risk of dementia 10 years after. But those who were randomized to the speed of processing training program had a 33% reduced risk of dementia after 10 years. And those who did more training, up to 18 sessions of training instead of the initial 10 prescribed, were 48% less likely to be diagnosed with dementia after 10 years. So this is a very exciting finding that we have a brain training program that can reduce your risk of dementia. There have been other positive benefits of the speed of processing training program that my colleagues and I have investigated. Those include health and well-being benefits, such as older adults who received speed of processing training had improved health-related quality of life. The program tends to protect people against having health-related quality of life declines. Also, individuals randomized to speed training are less likely to become depressed. The training protects against the onset of depression. And older adults who are randomized to the speed of processing training, brain training program, also report feeling that they have an improved sense of control over their lives. So to summarize, there are several benefits of cognitive training and particularly speed of processing training, which targets how quickly you can process information as well as your attention. These include the direct benefits of cognitive quickness and attention, also improved brain function, improved everyday functional abilities, maintained driving safety, including reduced risk of at-fault crashes, maintain driving mobility, less likely to quit driving, and also protection from functional difficulties across 10 years. The benefits of cognitive speed of processing training also include maintaining your health-related quality of life, being less likely to become depressed, having an improved sense of control, and reducing your risk of dementia. So we at the University of South Florida, as well as our colleagues at Clemson University, Duke University, 
University of Florida in Gainesville, University of North Florida in Jacksonville, and Banner Alzheimer's Institute in Tucson and Phoenix have embarked on a large study in which we're recruiting healthy older adults. So it's never too late to change your mind. And we believe that it may be possible to prevent dementia. We're seeking older adults to help us move this research forward to find ways, evidence-based treatments to prevent or delay dementia such as Alzheimer's disease. So I'm asking if you're possibly interested to please call the PACT Research Study location near you. Uh, You can see all of our sites and their contact information at our website, which is pactstudy.org, P-A-C-T. Preventing Alzheimer's with Cognitive Training is the study title, pactstudy.org. So we're asking people to make a pact with us to join the fight against Alzheimer's disease. As the Alzheimer's Association says, the first person to be cured of Alzheimer's disease will be in a clinical trial. So please consider joining. So in conclusion, speed of processing, brain training enhances everyday function. It reduces dementia risk. We know that these training gains last. We see effects even 10 years and likely 20 years after the intervention is completed. We don't know exactly what the right dose is, but as far as what we've seen to date, more training is better. So please train your brain. Thank you. Hello, everyone. We are going on 20 years now in our journey with BBNR to bring holistic health to the mainstream. It has really all come from a desire to find ways to flatten out the bumps in the road of our lives and be grateful for when days go well. So much innovation and insight is coming out on health and wellness on a daily basis. It's sometimes hard to keep up. We are so grateful for the speakers who join us on this podcast and to all of the guests that come to our Georgetown conference and to those that join us at Gasparilla every year to share their wisdom. At the end of the day, we hope that we have made you curious enough to try some of these tips in your day-to-day life. We hope that you felt their impact on your life as well as the lives of the people that you love. Thank you for joining us on HealthKick. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well.